0: The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the
1: planet. Now your host, Nick Nanavati. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, Nick Nanavati, and we are joined today by one of my favorite people in the wonderful world of 40K, Thomas Bird. How are you doing, Thomas?
0: Great. Thanks for having me, Nick. You're one of my favorite people as well. So
1: always a pleasure to talk and and be on the show. This is great. That's so sweet. So for those of you who don't know the Birdman, I'm sorry for your loss. But basically, Thomas is the greatest human in 40K. And I don't mean just as a player. I mean, he's a painter. He's a hobbyist. He's a sportsman. He's an ambassador for the game. He's a community leader. He's a tournament organizer. What is he not? You know, He wears all of the hats, and he's just a great dude with a smile on his face for it. Throughout the years of known Thomas, he has really developed as a player from like kind of winning some tournaments in the small scale, and then going to go to the big leagues and getting knocked around. And now he's really competing on the top teams. Uh, they're going to ATC. We're going to learn about his journey, getting better at competitive Warhammer, the people he's met, the communities he's helped along the way, um, and that's going to be part one. We're going to talk about his growth and then how his ATC team plans to bring down the art of war. I don't know how that's going to happen, but he's going to try. And, We're gonna try. He's going to try. Then in part two, because of course this is a part two-part two show, but that's for subscribers. You can subscribe on aow40k.com. In part two, we're going to talk about the actual preparation, the meta evolving around 10th edition in real time. We all have tournaments coming up on the horizon, and we're all in the same boat of what the hell is the meta. So Thomas and I are going to have a fairly candid conversation about what we think is good, what we think is bad. And I think it'll be super interesting because the team format is so different to a singles format and that you get such a wider spread of viable lists. In singles, it's kind of like... Eldar is pretty obvious, and you know maybe things that can't hang with Eldar just lose to Eldar. But in teams, there's only one Eldar player. You know, you got a lot of variety in terms of what's really good, what's really bad, and what's really sideways. So I'm really excited to have that conversation. You can join us on aow40k.com for part two of that. But for now, Thomas, let's get to know you, Mister Bird. Tell me about how you got into Warhammer.
0: So it's such a funny story. I, I don't know if you ever read the the, and I don't even read it now. It's just funny. So I read uh, an arcade. Or penny a penny arcade a comic online comic penny arcade and uh i was this is just fresh out of college you know i'm 21 year old kid you know sitting here at my first desk job and i'm just like bored with work and i'm scouring the internet for something to pass the time And i read this comic and it mentions warhammer and when i was a younger kid i had played a board game and it had showed miniatures 40k miniatures and this is like way back you know and i'm like i remember seeing those miniatures when i was a little kid saying this feels looks really cool i remember reading the little pamphlet like what you have to paint it no i don't want to this is terrible and so that was you know 20 years later i see this or whatever 15 years later i see this thing penny arcade i'm like warhammer what's that Neil at the war store that was the the website that first popped up in the google search and he had a bunch of miniatures. I, I just bought a whole lot and just started collecting it. And I didn't know anybody who played me. I didn't know anything about it, but I knew I loved the miniatures. So I got got a bunch of ultramarines. I painted them. There, there was nobody around. So I painted up another army so I could have two armies so my friends could come over. And, you know, I tried to play this complex
1: game that I never played before. Teaching that's, that's, let me cut you off real quick because like most people don't really get into warhammer on their own and just like collect and collect and collect and then like don't have anyone to play with and try to teach themselves they usually like like get in with friends or like have a community that they're joining you took yeah. the opposite approach here
0: i did and i was all in it was two years doing this by myself before i finally like decided I was gonna go into a GW store and play a game against a random person, right? And you're like, I'm super shy. I don't know these people. I'm trying to like how to start a game and I really haven't played, but I want to, you know, I show up with this fully made army. I was playing Tau, that was my second army. And I, I have a game against this guy. He's like, and he totally gives me the worst, you know, the worst game of my life, right? Like I recognize that this guy's not a nice guy, and I don't want to have games like that so i think it really shaped how i go about playing the game how i introduce new players and just how i treat i at least try to treat everyone when i play the game like i want to have a fantastic fun game I have any gotchas i, I want to make sure we're all playing on the same page and this guy was like all about you know just winning against a new player and it, was, it was it was eye-opening so i took that experience i didn't let it deter me at all i'm like i know this guy's no good but I'm gonna keep playing, right? So a lot of people, you take that experience and say, "This is this is no fun at all. I'm not gonna do it." I I, I was hooked, and it was enough to empower me to go. So eventually, I I met some good people, and they brought me into their circle, and we are, you know,
1: <laughs> that's really awesome. And honestly, it's one of the things that really stuck out to me when I met you is just how inviting and how welcoming and kind you are. Like you're approach to life i suppose is very much translates to your approach to the game and i think it's really like you said very easy for somebody to go to their first gw store event or game or whatever just any local store and play a random person and have a bad experience especially if they're gotcha hammer or just like try and take advantage of your lack of knowledge or any of that stuff and like for what purpose you know to what end and then they get you as a player could very easily get dejected and like this game sucks i don't want to play people like this and then just quit so the fact that you like literally didn't and decided I'm going to create a different type of game culture around me—that's amazing. What brought you to doing that?
0: You know, I, like I, when I get uh, when I get passionate about whatever it is that I'm passionate about, I'm like all in on it, right? So I don't think that anybody could have dissuaded me because I was so hooked on the lore, the models, the, everything about it that you know I was gonna be determined if. Uh, if this guy's not going to give me a good game like you said i'm just going to go find somebody else and then you know by sheer force of will if i have to i'm going to make it uh, I'll make it fun for everybody right so that's kind of how i uh, approached it and we have a big you know community here where i'm at in atlanta and uh i'd like to say that uh, i'm i'm kind of part of the central part of that so like you know my passion kind of expands to everybody that i try to play with so.
1: yeah i've definitely noticed that you're kind of like the center hub for an entire gaming group of people that are all, in my opinion, really awesome people, really solid gamers. So that's amazing that you brought that together. One of the things that I found and kind of inadvertently is that through years of doing this podcast, I'm interviewing people who are typically very good at this game, winning tournaments and doing stuff like that. And then I often ask them these questions about like how they got into the game and more about their personal life in relation to the hobby. And it's a common trend, I find, like people elevating people, people being community leaders, people being good beacons and ambassadors for the hobby, also being good gamers in terms of play skill and generalship and all that and winning tournaments. Do you think there's a correlation there, or is this just like the type of person that wins tournaments also as a community leader? Like is this coincidence? What do you think?
0: Well, I think the nature of the game is it's a social game, right? Like so you 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 have to, you know, interact with the person across the table from you there's certain set of skills that you kind of pick up playing the game right there's certain mindset that kind of goes into it there's a lot of there's a lot of effort and work that goes into it right so as you start playing other people and you interact you recognize the level of effort that they put in you have a social interaction you know you become friends and you have this shared interest right so now it becomes more about the just that one interaction here you become friends you have a group of people you shared common interests and you all want to enjoy that thing that you're doing together right so we're playing warhammer we want to make it fun and you know everyone's different. there's lots of different personalities but like a lot of my friends come from all sorts of walks of life right we have you know high-powered executives bankers lawyers, you know like mechanics you know everywhere you can find like totally different you know interests but we all kind of come together for warhammer right and so you know when it when it comes to like The people that do good, I you know, I I just feel like you know, if you're spending that much time, and you really are interacting with people, you know, if if you if you if you just work all the time, like no one's going to want to play with you, right? So like, there's only so much you can do to get better and and play lots of games if you're, you know, managing that social, right? So they kind of all come together, and and if you're wanting to play, you're just going to be out there, and you're going to meet a lot of people. It just kind of comes hand-in-hand hand I think you know and at some point you have to make that decision how much work effort do you want to put in to like elevate your game if you're interested in like competing at those top levels it does take a lot of uh, effort and, and work it's just not like you just show up and win uh, at least not for me but uh <laughs> the problem is not know, for but, me either Thomas <laughs> <laughs> but I think also you know from my perspective you know I'm you know I'm at 46 I think right now I can always have to check my math but uh it it becomes less about winning. It's it's more about those inter- interactions with my friends, right? Like that's the part that I'm striving for, right? How can I have a great game? Super competitive. I'm super competitive as a person naturally, but like ultimately, I don't care if I win or lose. If I if I have that great interaction, like so, if I get to play you, Nick, you know that's like. We have already won, right? No matter what the outcome of the game mm-hmm. is. Right? It's true. When game. I play you like
1: randomly at a tournament or even just like at your house, I'm like, this is going to be a great game. Love those games. <laughs> Typically, you whoop me. So, like, it's a it's, it's, like, it's it's great like- game. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good, though. I, I, I do genuinely love playing you, Thomas. Like, not only is it just like a sporting thing, but you do go above and beyond, I'd say more than most people to make sure your opponent is really having a good time. I can only imagine how many best sportsmen you have sitting on your shelf.
0: I, I do try. so it's funny you've never seen me, you know, I'm this big guy. I'm like six foot seven, and I'm usually put in like, holler and you literally will sometimes me rolling around on the floor laughing. You never know if I'm winning or losing, you know because I'm just you know being a goofball and having a good time. So it's I'm usually pretty animated about it, and I try to make sure my opponent is having a fun way, you know the other. so it's it, I try to make it fun. It's funny because when we play my friends, you know every day, right it's it's not the same because they know how I am, how they are. We we know our, our little buttons to push and dot, and we're all talking trash to each other. So when you play a new person or somebody you don't really play often, the, the interaction is a little bit different than when you play with your friends every day. So it's it's funny to kind of see the, the difference, because they're like, man, I, how do I get that guy to play? You're not like that at, at
1: home when we're playing in the basement. So uh, it's funny. but uh, I, I think it. a lot of people... Um, You know, that's just a natural human thing. They get more comfortable with people they've met a bunch of times or friends with. You know, the people you regularly play with, you're going to play with differently than a total stranger for the first time in a tournament. But I feel like you can connect with a total stranger at first time in a tournament in a very unique and genuinely fun way, um, where a lot of people kind of go through the action transactionally, you know, like we're playing a game of Warhammer, let's get through this. Um, And sometimes you make a really great friend there, but not every time. And obviously you're not going to be friends with every single person you run into, but there's definitely a ratio here. And Thomas, you make friends with a lot of people. What What is that process for you? How do you do that? Well, for, you know, for me, I genuinely
0: love the game, right? And so I'm, every opportunity to play the game is fun. So, like, when I'm playing a game, whether I'm winning or losing, I'm always looking for opportunities to, you know, enhance that experience, right? How can I have fun in this little moment or this little objective? You know, did this character do something fun and, uh, you know, in the concept of the game, right? Sometimes you're just, you're going through the motions or you're just doing the math, or you're doing the things, but like, you know, you're trying to build into these these scenarios opportunities, for fun, right? Maybe the dice go crazy, or maybe you're like, I'm going to make this long term and it happens and you, you know, you, you build it up, right? So there's this narrative of expectation. And it's kind of like, I've been told you are getting on the roller coaster, right? Of like highs and lows of all these things that are, Gonna happen, right? Because we're all like, I need this on the dice to happen, or you call this dice when it does happen, right? So like, oh, well, you know, you just, you just try to, and you cue off your opponent, right? Like so you try to, you know, build scenarios for them, like so that you know they're participating in the roller coaster ride with you. You might just be riding the roller coaster by yourself, and then when you know you celebrate their successes and you when it doesn't go well, and you try to manage that, right? And some people have a, a more high top for that so like you know if they want to do their game and they're not really participating you try to get them to but you know it's not a first thing right we're, we're trying to enjoy this together right and you, it's kind of just as you play somebody you kind of get a feel for the temperament and their personality and you, you try to draw out the parts that you know where they're having fun right? i think if they have fun if you put effort into making them have fun you're gonna have fun too right like that's just the nature of how people are right so not everyone can jump on that ride, but I think that's the game I try to play. I really actively play a second game. How can I make it fun for my opponent and then ultimately
1: make it fun for myself, right? So how do you reconcile that with also competing? Obviously, you... Are very into the hobby and the community and making that actual connection with your opponent and you put that first and foremost clearly but you're trying to win this game and like sometimes going for that long charge or making this moment cinematic or hype. It's not conducive to a tactically sound strategy like oftentimes the best path is chilling out and not doing too much exciting stuff and just camping on your points something like that. How do you stay out- balance my play style is not that way, right?
0: So I actively will like sabotage myself sometimes just to try to make it more entertaining or exciting, right? I'll make those choices where it's not into my best advantage. So you just kind of like pick and choose it, right? Like you know if 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 you if you're playing a game and like, I don't know that it's an active calculation. You just kind of I just you know uh, you know by the seat of my pants how I'm feeling in that, right? So if you feel like it's close, you feel like you know maybe. I would have a much better percentage chance, but I still can do it. You know, you you kind of like gauge it, but like again, I kind of caught up in the moment. I'm trying to have fun. You're always looking at how to maximize in the game. Sometimes you you just
1: you know, it's hard. You you have to balance it. But I, I think when you're playing a game, contextual, and you're contextual, right? Yeah, like, so if yeah. you're playing me in the semifinals of LVO, you're not necessarily going to do some silly stuff. But if you're playing like round two of an RTT versus like a buddy, like why not?
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know like. It's not always like, well, I'm just going to do something, just jump dumb, just for the sake of having a laugh. You know, you're you're going to try to make this smart play, but I'm also going to, you know, make, make a story out of it, or here, here watch oh, I do this great move, and I'm like, you know, positioning all the guys, and you know, you're going to talk it through, you're going to narrate it, right, as you're like, this is the move I'm about to set up. Are you ready? And you you just kind of like, you, you know, you build it up, right? It, it's sometimes it's just about setting the the moment for. Whatever thing it is that you want to happen, and then if it's the way you said it, then you've 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 told the story kind of in advance, right? So you know, not always is it about a goofy thing. it's sometimes it's hard to it's hard to describe, I guess, what I'm seeing it. And I don't do it consciously,
1: right? It just happens in the game. I've done that way. That's just the way it play. Interesting. So most people don't. I've never had anyone describe that as like an attribute to their play style from a strategic standpoint what would you say your approach and standpoint and st- strategy to the game is
0: so i've been playing ultra for, forever and ever so i think most of my style kind of lends to way to the way i do play ultra um, that's kind of like i'm very much character oriented army i love lots of characters giving out buffs um i love uh i don't like losing models I, I don't like losing models so i'm like i'm all attached to my individual guys these are my buddies right i call them. My don't hurt my friends and i used to i was i played votan for a while there right so i definitely like i would always make jokes about if you hurt my friends then you would get a judgment token right so don't don't kill my friends so it was it's always about that are like, durable um or elite you know or, you know that's the kind of play style i'm very concerned about. i don't i don't really have armies that are super fast it's just plotting i'm you know micromanage this movement I'm going to shoot you and fight you to the best of whatever this army build is. But it's, it's kind of very precise and tactical in in that kind of sense. But uh, yeah, that's, that's really kind of, it's hard to say. I I don't like toolbox armies. I like every, I like to have a hundred options to do one thing and I'll spend an inordinate amount of time uh, to like tweak five points here, 10 points there, which is much harder now in 10 to uh, account for one, you know, Edge case scenario, right? So, like, you know, you play a hundred games, and you can't build the army that beats everything. But I will try to do that,
1: and that's how I like to play the game, right? So, interesting. So, you said you don't like toolbox armies, but it sounds like I do. Oh no, no, I absolutely do. Yeah, no, I want,
0: I want every option to deal with every scenario. Even if it's like, I need to roll five sixes in a row. I'm
1: going to build that plan. The twelfth make that happen. So I'm very similar to you in play style. I also love the toolbox approach. You bring an entire toolbox that's on you as the general to figure out how to use it. And I've played against you. I know you're a super tactically precise guy. You're positioning. You love your heroics and your, your fighting and your combat phase minutia. Um, it's very solid play, very tactically solid play. But one of the things you also mentioned is that you don't really play fast armies. Ultramarines, OTAN, right? So... As a, me personally, I'm a toolbox player, but I like speed. I play Jucari, I play Craft Worlds, I play Demons, I play the fast stuff. So, to me, speed isn't inherently one of the most useful tools I bring in my toolbox. Like just being—it's oh, so good. It's absolutely
0: box. good. It, it is, and, and I think some of the so I choose is from my army is just like that's and I just don't use all the tools, right? Like either they don't have it in the army na- naturally, like just by action choice, or. The play style of some of those units doesn't jive with the rest of the army's flow. So I just don't I don't like expendable guys and you know, like the the notion, well, oh, I just need to run out here and this point real fast. I know these guys can die and have a trading piece. Like I played sisters for a while and we, we took that to a team. I hated playing so much. And that was what it's all about. Here's the calculation on I trade and you trade, I trade and you trade. I could not stand playing that army. I was
1: subjected after that tournament after playing. So I was going to say, say something like land Speeder storm with some scouts would be a great little addition to your Space Marine Force.
0: Oh, I, I had it. And I'm like, I hated it. I'm like, I always wanted them to do something, right? I wanted those guys to do some work. I, I couldn't just, like, throw them out there to die, right? I'm like, I'm making the story. Like, if this scout sergeant, you know, kills something, right? Like, I'm just trying to do crazy things with them because I just couldn't just let them just do nothing, which, you know, they're scoring points. They're not doing nothing, right? But I couldn't. <laughs> it's, it's hurt my soul want, I you want you guys to do something i want all of them to do work that's like they're in my mind they all doing work. so i'm all about getting work units in so I'm,
1: do you think that's a mentality that held you back as a player I'm sure i'm
0: absolutely sure it has <laughs> yes i always make some non-optimal choices just because you know like and it's it's conscious right you're like i know this is not the best choice but whatever i'm taking this you know chapter champion. Cause you know I like him, and he does. Things. I lost to the chapter champion. Talk
1: no smack on that guy.
0: <laughs> that was so good. Oh, I tell that story all the time, Nick.
1: It's like the one when you got against me, the chapter champion, six inch heroic. I'm god
0: Man, he you thought you were so clever, and I was like, I know what to do, and he doesn't know that I know. And you thought you could just
1: position block me, try, you know, tag this drop pod, and. Yeah, we we can't not tell the story now. So basically, this is a while back. We're playing a charity hammer for like it's literally a charity event. And I'm playing Sisters, ironically, and Thomas is playing Space Marines. And like he has this drop pod, he just puts it in front of my army. I'm playing Bloody Rose, Combat Everywhere, and he just puts all the doors down. And I'm just like staring at this and I'm like, Thomas just lost this game. What is he doing? I have a fight on death. I have Repentia. I'm going to be unshootable once I tag this drop pod, kill all the devastators that just got out of him. What is he doing? And I like get my army out. And I'm like ready to charge with Zephyr and Repentia and all this good stuff. And I'm like, I spent like five or six minutes staring at my charge phase. And I it dawned on me that I have already committed, like we're in my charge phase. My army's moved, it's shot, whatever. And... There's no way I can charge how I want to charge without getting like six inch to and fighting last logist yarn, absolutely killed in this combat. And I walked straight into it.
0: It was so good. And then I'm like, I had, when I put the guys down, I'm usually very, you know, I'm measuring, you can see everything. But I'm like, in this scenario, I knew Nick was looking and I'm like, I didn't want him to catch on what I was doing. So I positioned guys here, and I just kind of like, Eyeballed were the six inches to the edge of this drop pod where I knew he was gonna to try to tag it. And I'm like, I just pushed that six character over there and up oh, nonchalant about it. And then I'm going is it, <laughs> it was it was skillful. It was a beautiful artwork. you did Thomas I it I was remember good he like you when you pr- go to measure your guy and you're like "Is this guy with-? i'm like yep and then he's like did get it <laughs> yep yep it's happening are you still gonna charge it he's like i, I have to and i'm like oh great <laughs> he's
1: That's like can you fall to charge layer. and i'm
0: like i can you know so i was able to charge i tried to charge you know celestine right after that so it's funny I've, I've made this this is the moment right like so we build this up we're talking all this stuff this dramatic tactical thing happens i you know, and it wasn't like, I got you. It was, it was like, you know, you, you got caught off guard and then this
1: play happened. And I, I underestimated it. your defenses of I it. Mean, honestly, just like, I think these are space Marines, whatever. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, now this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to
0: fall back in charge and I'm going to charge Celestine and I move these guys to shoot and all this thing is going to happen. And I felt like the six inch charge. Right. So the roller coaster has happened. Right. So I've had this big moment with the heroic, I fall back in charge and now the momentum is building then all of a sudden, the, th- the bottom drops out, right? And I failed the charge, a six-inch global charge into Celestine. And, you know, it was all supposed to, you know, happen to plan, you know. So I ended up pulling out that game, but like it was so much crazy thing like that, that was back and forth, which is what I love, right? Like all the things that were, we were laughing and talking the whole time back and forth. Every dice roll became this critical thing as Celestine the dice so that I could charge you with the champion, kill yours twice, you
1: know, like, oh, yeah, you love it. Yeah. That was a very fun event. So I want to bring us back to kind of your play style and how you approach the game and what that means. So you're on this team for ATC Pro Tabletop. What's that about?
0: Yeah, so Pro Tabletop, that's my company. Uh, you know, me and Brad and a couple other guys, we started this thing up way back when. You know, we. You, I think you know all about it, right? We had that big tournament. It's been a while now, the Atlanta Open, where we had $10,000 cash prize, right? We had the whole full broadcast. I was in the announcer's UNC booth. Played we played the finals. Yeah, UNC. Right? That was like before you guys started
1: up Art of War. That's kind of like the... Like, the, like the, months before. We were like planning to at that time.
0: That was like the impetus to kind of really, you know, you guys, you know, we got to do some sponsorships after that. And we all had the fantastic game. Like It was like you couldn't write that script any better. <laughs> like super competitive, super sportsmanship. Like it came down to the end. It was a great game to watch and commentate. But anyway, so we had that big tournament. And, uh, you know, as again, we love Warhammer, got to do the broadcasting. And, you know, as we kind of built this team up with COVID happened, and, You know, we weren't doing events. So we kind of just put the company kind of on hold. We started doing some kind of YouTube stuff. But, like, the team kind of exists as our group of friends. And so we still got a lot of competitive guys out here. And so you know, we just kind of go to our events as pro tabletop, right? And I think last year, ATC, we came in second. To you guys, and so that, uh you know, has always driven us to like, well, art of war, dominating everything. We can't let Joker's run around and win uh, all the events. So you know, our big plan this year you know, is just take you guys out. Of course, we have tenth edition. Everything's <laughs> set.
1: <upsets. laughs> Throw those plans
0: all, out the window. Yeah, we're all under this gun to try to learn this new edition. Nobody knows exactly what's going on and and how we uh, about it. But yeah, that's the plan, right? So we have this big team. We're very competitive. Um, and we want to, we want to, right? we're, we're hungry. We've got a lot of guys that look in the deep
1: the hard work guys. So it, it's, it's beautiful. And your team is pretty diverse this year. You've got people coming in from Europe. You want to walk us through who the team actually is? Yeah. So it's, it's me and, and
0: Brad, Brett We're, he's, you know, one of the main behind pro tabletop. Um, we have uh, Joe McMillan. He's he's a local guy. Um, he went, I think, so I I wasn't able to make the team event in New York, but he went up on the pro tabletop team and they won the event in New York. Uh we have Nassim. I'm gonna butcher his last name, fucini Fuchin. Like he's a he's a great player from Europe. Um on which is on our team last year, he was also from Europe, a great player, uh He's he's not able to make it this year. So we we picked up Naz and uh boy that guy is a handful. He's a great player. He's young. He's He's, awesome. he, he gets a lot of games. he's the guy that's playing six games of uh, TTS every day against all the things, so like he knows um, a lot about all the different factions. but it's interesting his insights and his takes because he plays a lot of WTC and so their their mindset, their terrain format doesn't always translate to the American side, so we always have back and forth the arguments about what how that works here versus there. So it's always good conversation with him about how things work
1: so you have a lot of team experience on there. Like, obviously, you've been adept on teams for a while, and then team is now playing on team England. And then, who is the fifth member? I'm sorry. It's Jaime
0: Paris. You, you know. Oh, Jaime. Jaime Paris. Of course. I just he's missed he's the the, Yeah, he's, he's, you know, if you don't know him, of course. He is, uh, he's he's from Spain. He's a great ambassador to the game as well. First time I met him, he was actually showing up at a local store. He was going to Georgia Tech. Uh, I'm on Georgia Tech grad. He, he came up and he said, hey, I want to play a, a game. And we're like, new guy. I'm like, hey, absolutely. Sure, man. Um, he said, well, you know, I, I want to play a competitive game. Do you guys play competitive games? And it's Damien and I that were sitting there. And we looked at each other. And I'm like, I'm not sure how to answer this question because I'm like super Mr. Competitive." And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we play a few competitive games. Yeah, we, we, we'll play. I'm like, well, what you got? What you playing? He said, I'm playing Ultramarines. And so I knew right away we are going to be buddies, right? So we played and I... I'm like, why well, have Ultramarines too? And I just I put Jaime through the ringer during that Ultramarine battle. So we uh, naturally became fast friends. He's jumped up and he's a fantastic player. Like he he's way better than I am. Um, and and uh, he's you know on he's on he's going to the teams USA right. Like he's 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 doing all the good stuff, man. So it's great to have him on the team. He's doing his masters in Boston, so he's not local here anymore. Get to play as many games
1: together, it's always great to see him. And you get a pretty stacked team, so I, uh, I mean that, that team is this. really stacked. You guys are bringing your egg game. I'm excited to talk about it. So um basically, we're going to talk about, I guess, what you guys are thinking in terms of the meta and team comp. And you know, I'll share my secrets. You'll share yours. Why not? And uh, it's all the wild west tenth anyway. So. Yeah, well, uh, back that's, away from it all changing, right? Like, who knows if they're going Right. I mean, what I tell you today is going to change in two weeks, I promise. But um, <laughs> it's still pretty awesome. So I hope you guys enjoyed this part. Uh, the conversation with Thomas Bird. Thomas is a great guy, great ambassador to the game. You can hear it in the way he carries himself and the way he talks about the game, that he puts his opponent first and really puts that sportsmanship up there. And that's absolutely why we got him on this episode. It's one of the biggest mantras that Art of War tries to embody is, is sportsmanship and being a good ambassador for the game and playing the game in a sporting gentlemanly way. Um, no gotchas, nothing like that. And Thomas is really just like perfectly exemplary of that. So Thomas, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, man, my pleasure, Nick. Always always great to talk with you. Yeah, always. So I know this episode maybe not as more hammer technical as we typically have on the show, but fret not my War Room subscribers and my Art of War patrons. For those of you who are subbed on AOW40K.com to get access to part two of the show, Thomas and i going to get deep in the technical jargon of this game. We're going to go straight into... Uh, what we think is good, what we think is bad, what we think the meta is, what we're designing with our team comps and like you why, know, the ideas of defenders and attackers in that team environment, the different jobs that different factions have to play in terms of how many points they score. There's so many factors to the teams, especially in a wide open meta like 10th edition. Uh, so I'm super excited for our, for our part two of this conversation. Even if you're not playing in teams or don't have interest in that aspect of it, you will certainly get a lot by just following the meta conversation because it's going to be so inclusive of what all the different ideas are in the game so definitely join us on part two it would mean the world to me it means the world to us to keep producing this show for you we are on episode 196 that's so many episodes it would not be possible without all of your help thank you so much everybody and we will see you later like what you just listened to check out art of war
0: down under and art of war unbroken on the competitive 40k network the War. 40k.com.